You're listening to the Geek Watch Podcast, episode 58, A Geek's Guide to the Oscars. This is the Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie. Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to episode 58 of the Geek Watch Podcast. I'm Brian Hatcher, and with me, as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petri. Hola, Brian. So today, even though I did have it in my show notes for last week, I forgot to mention, of course, that Sunday was the Oscars. Yes, yes, yes and, it was. And we'll be talking about, even though neither one of us watched the Oscars, no. because we were too busy watching The Walking Dead. Yep. But we can talk about the Oscars, and since we were watching The Walking Dead, we can talk about The Walking Dead. <laughs> but before we get to that, there was a couple pieces of news that came out this week. The first thing is Warner Brothers head uh, Kevin Sujihara had some things to say about DC films in the future. Some of the things that uh, are going to be developing over the horizon. What I found really interesting about what he had to say was, of course, he brought up a few things about Shazam coming up and the new Wonder Woman and, you know, how well Aquaman did. Mm -hmm. And that they were taken aback by the fact that Batman, Superman, they couldn't seem to get to work. But Aquaman. No problem. Yeah, no Mm -hmm. problem. Wonder Woman, not a problem. And so they said they've learned some really valuable lessons from this. Now, of course. He was made lead, and then, of course, there's, uh, I'm I'm trying to remember who it was, the gentleman that's head of the DC arm of Warner Brothers, but they both came out of the successful Warner Brothers horror movie franchises that that Warner Brothers had. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, Warner Brothers figured, well, they're they're doing so well in horror that, hey, let's move them to superheroes. Let's see if they can do just as well. Maybe. And, of course, that's the reason why James Wan was directing Aquaman. Mm -hmm. So the valuable lesson, and which I can confirm being a horror writer, is that if you need your movies fixed, get a horror writer to do it. Yeah. Storytelling is storytelling. Yes. We do very well at these type of things. In fact, we'll even fix your computer and, t- and take your dog to the vet if we need to. I mean, <laughs> we can take care of everything. <laughs> but uh, one thing I found out Sujihara said that I found really fascinating is one thing that he said that they learned is maybe making these big team-up movies right at the beginning is not the best way to go. Some Maybe it's best that we develop the characters one at a time in their own movies yeah. and then wait and then put them together. Okay. No yeah. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you mean just like Marvel started doing 10 years ago? You yeah. Think, you mm-hmm. think maybe that might work? Yes, maybe that would work. Mm-hmm. So No, let's start with Batman versus Superman and we'll throw Wonder Woman in the movie and then we'll do Suicide Squad and then we'll do... Justice League. Uh, yeah, let's not build up the characters Mm-hmm. first. And what's the, the new one coming out with, oh, Timothy Dalton is the... Oh, uh, Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol, right. Mm-hmm. Got so, Doom Patrol coming out, too. On the uh, DC, the streaming service, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, they, apparently Warner Brothers has figured out that if you build up your characters first, then you can build up excitement for when they get together, and that becomes really cool. They managed to figure that out. You just put the right people in and have them basically just see what Marvel did that worked. Yeah, well, you and I, we talked about it for the past year or so. And one thing that I wanted to see that I got was Shuri talking to Bruce Banner and correcting his science. And I got it. You know, those are the things that we look forward to and get excited about. Absolutely. If I hadn't got to know those characters, I wouldn't have been so hyped to see a 16-year-old girl correct a a scientist on his science. Oh, exactly. (laughs) But yeah, it looks like Warner Brothers is finally getting on the right track. They finally figured out that, hey, 
Take your time and develop these characters. You've got years to, to develop them. And then when you put them together in a movie, then you've got something to hang your story on. I, they finally figured it out. So maybe from this point, we're going to be able to see some really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And of course, we've got Shazam. Shazam. That's going to be coming out here pretty soon. And then we'll have, I think, Wonder Woman here next year. Yeah, so. I haven't seen any new trailers for it or anything. So they haven't got, you know, we had... a couple pictures a few months ago but that's all we have so far of them. yeah they're just basically wetting our appetite and mm-hmm. I'm, when they get closer to being finished I'm, I'm sure we'll see some trailers here soon but right. we'll take it from there but sticking with dc also reported in variety will smith is leaving suicide squad too he decided okay. well basically what happened was according to the article is there some conflicts with something else that he's filming and so he's not going to be available for suicide squad too okay because, of course, James Gunn's getting ready to start that up the, toward the end of the year. He's already starting his prep, and they want to start shooting at the end of the year. And apparently, Will Smith already has something. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to be in Suicide Squad 2, which I feel kind of bad for him, because this might be the good Suicide Squad, oh, <laughs> now that mm-hmm. you got James Gunn in there. Mm-hmm. Not to pick on uh, Will Smith, but this is the actor that turned down the lead role in The Matrix to be in the Wild Wild West. Well, just mention that. Yeah, but, you know... Given at the time, Wild Wild West had some really good source material, such a good both Western show and sci-fi show, and I enjoyed Wild Wild West, but oh yeah, not well, the movie, the TV show. <laughs> the TV show. <laughs> well, the other thing, too, I, I saw a video of Will Smith talking about the pitch session that the Wachowskis did for The Matrix to him to mm-hmm. try to get him to, to take the lead, and if it's even close to what he said it was, I can see why he turned it down. Okay. Because it was like, he's saying, well, just imagine you jump up in the air, but then you you stop in the middle of your jump, and then the people can see around you. We're going to be special cameras so people can see uh, 360 in this uh, jump. Oh, okay. He's so like, they what? didn't bring up the whole no, apparently reality not. is a dream thing. But so, No, it's just going to look real cool. So. Yeah, Sean Connery turned down the Matrix as well. So yeah. that was probably, what's the word? Is the a dark horse or a... Long shot. What's the correct? Well, that's uh, I mean, correct one, terminology or idiom to be used here, like yeah. backing the wrong horse. Kind yeah. Of. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, it was a long shot. They were uh, keep in mind at the time the Wachowskis. The only movie that they had done previous to that was Bound. You know, sort of a uh, sex thriller. Mm-hmm. So this didn't seem like this was in their wheelhouse, unless you knew the fact that they were pretty smart sometimes mm-hmm. about these type of things. Obviously, the 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 next two of the Matrix films didn't quite land. But like I said, with pitch that uh, they gave Will Smith, I can see why he turned it down. They went to the technical side rather than the... Yeah, just uh, how cool it was going to look. And how do, Yeah, not how do you relate to humans. This is how you relate to your humanity, and that's what makes the Matrix so, you know, yeah, the special effects are cool and they're groundbreaking and everything, but ultimately it's how humans relate to each other and how they relate to technology. And, you know, it's classic. It's the allegory of the cave. It's uh, it's classic literature, too. So. Yeah, plus the fact that the track record that they had at the time, even if they were able to express the scope and depth of the movie... There was no real indication that they would be capable of doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, they maybe they can talk a good game, but can they actually deliver that movie? And in that situation, they were able to. But I'm hoping that Will Smith is not going to be putting himself in another situation where he's kind of kind of wish he went the other direction. Mm-hmm. I mean, not to say that Suicide Squad might not tank. I mean, it's a possibility. But James Gunn is just this is 
absolutely in his wheelhouse to make this kind of movie. And we know Margot Robbie is coming back. Mm-hmm. So it looks like it's going to be pretty good. And, and to be honest, I mean, Will Smith hasn't recently, his movies have not done the best, mm-hmm. including the first Suicide Squad. <laughs> so he really does need a hit. So whatever he's shooting instead of... I can't think of... I mean, he did that one with his son uh, where it was just the two of them on the alien planet, and yeah, that's all I can remember here recently. Yeah. And he's got Aladdin coming out, but <laughs> that's Disney. That's a whole other, you know. Right. So, ho- yeah, hopefully that does well for him, even though, of course, everybody's criticizing, well, we talked about this before, mm-hmm. the whole Blue Genie thing, so. I Ultimately, I don't think that's going to matter. I mean, this is a live-action Disney film, and those have not done badly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well... But uh, we're going to wish him the best of luck, and hopefully we'll, there'll be something good coming down the pike from Will Smith, definitely. definitely. So let's talk a little bit about the Oscars. And mm-hmm. I don't figure we need to talk about everything that happened, but we can certainly discuss the really cool things, geek-wise, that we can look forward to. Now, we did happen to mention Black Klansman, and Spike Lee finally got an Oscar Oscar. Now, he's he's won an Oscar before. They gave him a uh, a special Oscar for mm-hmm. his because of his influence as a director in his films. But he won the writing Oscar for Black Klansman. Yep. He didn't really pick up anything else, but he did man. He's finally Which got- Which is a shame. It really it, it is. is. It is a shame. I mean, we're not going to go into the whole Best Picture controversy. You can look that up online and see mm-hmm. it. A lot of it, which I I understand, not necessarily saying that, you know, maybe uh, that Black Klansman should have won it, mm-hmm. but it would have been a better choice, I think, under the circumstances. But- I will tell you what I was, even though I'm still upset about the fact that Won't You Be My Neighbor was not even nominated for <laughs> for Best Documentary, I'm still bitter about that. And I, I don't think it's that's ever going to change because <laughs> it was amazing. Even though, like I said, uh, I'm bitter about that. What I am happy about is that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse did, in fact, win for Best Animated. <laughs> We're getting a... It's a film. It's not a Disney film. It's not, it's not a, a Disney. Pic- it's not a Pixar. It's, it's not a Pixar film. Mm-hmm. And not. And what's great about this is Peter Ramsey, who directed a Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, first African-American to win an Oscar for Best Animated Feature. Wow. So Excellent. What was really great is that there were a lot of firsts in the Oscars, and a lot of them came from Black Panther. Yes, the one that I've talked about my whole life, that I wanted a sci-fi superhero film to win Best Costumes. Finally, Brian, I finally got it. Finally, something that was not a historical drama. I was really expecting, I don't know, maybe The Beguiled or... You know, even Black Klansmen, you know, had great costumes uh, for the era, but they were historical dramas. And I wanted to see sci-fi. I wanted to see superhero. Something where you started from scratch, because you usually you get Civil War usually wins for best costumes. But my my problem with that is you're just copying exactly what they wore. You know, you're not starting from scratch. You're not making something. You're copying something. Not saying it's not a difficult task to make a costume from the floor up with many, all the layers and all the correct uh, signias and everything that you want. But I'm so excited about that. Well, what's really cool about the win for Black Panther is a lot of it is original, but there's a lot of basis on it also, you know, of African culture. So Mm -hmm. there's that great mix. And what's also great, uh, uh, Ruthie Carter, who won the costume design, She's the first African-American to win an Oscar for costume design. Now, there was a nomination. I don't remember who it was, but it was for Malcolm X. Mm -hmm. Got a nomination for Best Costume Design. Didn't win it. But Ruth Carter 
is the first to win the Oscar for costumes at first yes. person of color. The best production design, uh, Hannah Beecher won it for Black Panther. Not only the first African American to win it, first African American to be nominated in that category. So she was nominated for it and won it. That's also, you know, awesome. So, but there was. The Oscars were a mixed bag, obviously. The show itself, people had issues with. I will say one of my favorite things, I didn't watch the Oscars, but uh, I saw some clips. Of course, all the Best Picture uh, nominations, they get an introduction by different people. And uh, Trevor Noah from mm-hmm. The Daily Show did I love the, him. Yes, he did the intro for Black Panther. And of course, he plays it off as, you know, everybody asks me what it's like in Wakanda, and I tell <laughs> him about my life as uh, Wakanda growing up. Now, of course, a lot of geek watchers probably know that the African language they use in Black Panther is an actual language, mm-hmm. one that Trevor Noah happens to speak. And he mentions the fact that he remembers how T'Challa would always say, and then he gives out a line mm-hmm. and then translates it, which it means it's we are stronger when we fight together than when we fight apart. And I don't speak the language, <laughs> but I have seen several sources report that what Trevor Noah actually said <laughs> was... White people don't realize that I'm lying. <laughs> well played, Trevor Noah. That is, that's well hilarious. Played. And uh, I saw a clip of him on, on the red carpet talking about how he played the voice of the computer. And he said, well, you know, that's the most important part in the, the whole movie. And <laughs> that's quite funny. And he has also uh, publicly complained that Disney did not cast him as Zazu, the live action, re- well, quote, live action remake of The Lion King. And he says if you wanted a wanted a talk show host, you know. For someone from Africa, I'm just saying. So. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, love that. Oh, I, I would love to see him do some uh, do uh, movies. Mm-hmm. He's very intelligent. He's very funny. He was the perfect replacement to take over for The Daily Show. Mm-hmm. He was perfect. Right. Uh, he was a great fit. And it was not going to be easy. To fill John Stewart's shoes. Not at all. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John Stewart, I mean, he was an institution. I mean, he changed that show. Mm-hmm. And to have Trevor Noah be able to step in and just be great in it, I thought was just amazing. Yep. So, Well, let's finish off today. Let's talk a little bit of Walking Dead, episode 11, Bounty. Yeah. Well. There were so many good, like, heartwarming things happening in this show, and then still having that, like, you know, classic Walking Dead, still able to rip our hearts out oh, very yes. easily. <laughs> oh, and by the way, uh, Geek Watchers, obviously we're going to talk spoilers, so pause the podcast, come back if you've not seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing I was worried about in this episode, because, of course, I don't know how close they're going to stay to the comics or where they're going to step away from it. But my one concern was, I mean, we obviously had, what was the smart thing to do? Mm-hmm. And when we talked about this last week, you have, what's the smart thing to do? And what are they actually going to do? And I was worried they were going to do what... They uh, usually do. <laughs> well, I, I thought that what they were going to wind up doing is they were going to contrive some way of, of keeping Lydia mm-hmm. and start and basically... Spy, uh, you starting know, a new war, yeah. Starting this new war. No, they did the smart thing. I mean, it may not be the moral thing. It might be the thing that people are like, oh, my God, you can't let her go back. But right. what choice mm-hmm. did you have? Yeah, it, it's the, the train, the philosophy uh, where do you switch the tracks to kill two people or do you switch the tracks to kill one person? You know, if you have the control to switch the train, that someone they're going to die on the train tracks, but is it going to be two people or one person? So you control it and which is better. But yeah, they gave her back. And uh, so I keep thinking, man, she should run away, but she'd go right back and they would know where she was. Right. Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah, obviously, there's more stuff getting ready to develop. Now, obviously, Henry went right after her. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be good for Henry. No. I mean, if you've seen the previews for the next episode, they're going to catch him. And we're going to see next week the introduction of Beta. Where, right. So yes. Mm-hmm. things are going to be getting a lot worse. Mm-hmm. But I have to tell you, I don't want to say it was like a filler episode, but there was certainly a lot of development stuff that was beginning to happen. Mm-hmm. During like what I think was the heartwarming times when they were just going just to get the light bulb so that they could watch movies. I mean, that is just, oh, that, that warms my heart. And, you know, they're trying to decide and that we're going to get the case to put up our Declaration of Independence. And, you know, that's... They're getting excited about it, and I loved that. And uh, and Carol making the final decision. Yeah, we're here. We're we're going to do this. Yeah. And even and beautiful cinematography. You know that beautiful kiss at the end where they kiss in front of that light bulb shining. Brian, I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I have to. I did enjoy that also. But I also have to say that those moments struck me as, and this is what I call them. I don't. Uh, I don't know. If there's a, a term for it in The Walking Dead or, or you know, the writers have a term for this. But these are moments that I call in The Walking Dead polishing the casket. Oh, uh, calm before the storm. Yeah, the, yeah. It's like, we're going to shine the casket. We're going to make it. We're, we're going to put some happy times on some people because we're about ready to kill them. Yeah, we're going to stab your heart. Yeah. Well, and I'm wondering who it's going to be because they, you know, it's like we talked about before. Something bad is about ready to happen, and it's going to be multiple bad. The problem we're running into with The Walking Dead is they're running out of characters, honestly, that we care about. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, you know, I mean, there's some deaths that are going to happen by the end of this season, and probably some cliffhangers as well, but they're running out of characters that are really going to shock us if they die. Mm -hmm. Now, we do know, if you've been keeping track of... The -the behind-the-scenes stuff, of course, they've just signed Norman Reedus to a three-year deal, Mm -hmm. and it's a favored nation's deal. It's basically, they could kill him off this season. They still got to pay his next Uh two years. So, yeah. So, even if they were to kill him off, he's going to get paid for two more seasons. Right. So, but that doesn't mean they're not going to kill him. (laughs) Yeah. And Carol, Melissa McBride, (laughs) she's got a similar deal, I think. They've signed her, but that's about it. Right. But again, is that a swerve? I don't know. I'm just wondering, you know, what death is there going to be that would be a punch to the heart? I don't like the options. Mm-hmm. I well, really don't. Well, I just don't. keep thinking, you know, they've showed us the gentle giant having a bunch of babies. So that could be definitely heartbreaking. Like, just remind us, he's a daddy. He's got three kids and a loving wife. And, and you know, we a, don't want to see that happen. And, and he's you know, and the problem is, at this point, he's become the Abraham of the group. Oh. <laughs> you know, he's that character. It's like, God, mm-hmm. I just every time he comes on screen, you just love Jerry. Yep. And, and Rosita's pregnant, so we don't want her or her baby. Baby daddy to go. Yeah, they are they're really piling on the feels. Yeah, and you know and then of course we've got the blacksmith and his wife who, mm-hmm. who've just gotten a brand new baby. Yeah. Because of the fact that Alpha's planning on letting it die. Yeah, that oh man. How could you justify that? We're coming here to get your kid, but you're making me sacrifice my kid? That could man, I don't see how that doesn't Kill her ranks well, and make them stop listening to well, her. Well, apparently there's Kool-Aid in the apocalypse. <sighs> That's mm. all I can figure. But, I mean, at the same... Well, you, you mentioned that situation, but this is another thing that happened in the show that I felt kind of odd to me, mm-hmm. was when Henry and Lydia ran off, mm-hmm. 
And Enid decides to go. Oh, Enid. Enid, you little man. <laughs> I, oh. I just didn't know how to feel about that. She's like, he kind of likes me. I can maybe talk him into bringing him back. It's like. You little manipulative. But, I mean. <laughs> I get it. not unlike her character. Yeah. Uh, bless her heart. She's done what she's had to do. But, oh, that's. You know. it. You little Judas. You. Well, <laughs> it, it is kind of messed up in the fact that her argument, when you boil it down, is we need you to give up somebody that you love so I can get back somebody that I love. Yeah. Yeah, that it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of messed up. It, I mean, when you look, like I said, when you look at it just at a surface level, that's like mm-hmm. that's really just kinda... everyone's gonna want to punch you in the face. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we may lose Enid. Mm. I mean, that's a possibility yeah. too, mm-hmm. uh, because again, you know, good things are happening for her. you know she's in this relationship now and etc. And it, are they shining up the coffin? I don't know. So I don't know, but yeah, I mean. Like I said, I wouldn't go as far as to call this a filler episode, but it's definitely an episode where they're setting up a lot of things. Mm -hmm. They've, uh, again, if you've read the comics, you know Henry's now in the situation that Carl was in in the comics. Mm -hmm. And, of course, now we have Daryl going going after him. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you've already seen the trailer, you know that that a fight breaks out between Beta and Daryl. And it doesn't look good for Daryl. Beta is a straight-up tank. Mm-hmm. That situation is... Uh, I, well, I don't want to even say anything more about mm-hmm. it, except that, oh, this is not going to be good. I'm trying to remember how many... I'm not sure how many episodes we got left. But, I mean, we've, I'm sure we got about a handful of them left. Mm-hmm. And it looks as if they're, they are going to let this story develop and they're not going to try to wrap it up by the end of the season, which makes me really happy because there's a lot of stuff here. But I'm afraid that since they're not planning on wrapping it up, they may be ending this season with the fair. Oh. And we've said it before. Heartwarming, nice, and then stabbed to the gut. And, and then Red Wedding. Yeah. Which is what uh. I keep hearing. We keep hearing that over and over again. There's like, this will be like the Red Wedding. And I can just look at your face and go, you're, you know. Yeah. Because I've not seen, I, you know, I've mm-hmm. not seen uh, Game of Thrones, yeah. but mm-hmm. even I've heard of the Red Wedding. Yeah. And I, just, and I hadn't read it. And so... I had no idea what was coming up, and when I saw it, yeah, I'm all those reaction videos that you see online from that. that like, what? No! Yeah, no. Where did that come from? Yes, it's... Yeah, but again, they're setting things up, setting things up. They're polishing those caskets, making them nice and shiny. Mm-hmm. They're getting our, our intrepid friends up to their necks in issues. And of course, the one thing that everybody who noticed it talks about you know, when uh, the kingdom is leaving after getting the light bulb on the back of that sign, you see that glyph that's painted. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Yeah, and I have a feeling that's the mark of the Whisperers, which okay. means that they've crossed into Whisperer territory. And like, mm-hmm. you know, if you've read the comics, you know they are very territorial, mm-hmm. and they don't appreciate people crossing into their land. So, and as a matter of fact, the whole deal with the fair and the massacre there, a lot of that has to do with them making a statement as to why you don't cross us. Hmm. And just in this episode, seeing Alpha face off against Daryl, you can tell she's not to be trifled with. Now, what complicates things at this point is what happens when Henry goes after the Whisperers. And like I said, if you've seen the previews, you know he gets caught by the Whisperers. Mm -hmm. 
what's Carol going to do? Burn shit. <laughs> when shit needs burned, Carol burns shit. Yeah, well, but here's the issue. She's not faced anybody like Alpha before. A lot of people online, and I have to agree with them, compare Alpha to TV Carol. She mm-hmm. is the dark Carol. She's somebody could that could go toe-to-toe mm-hmm. with Carol, but Alpha got an army. That's mm-hmm. the thing, too. So I'm hoping this doesn't come into a, a situation where it's Al- Alpha versus Carol, and Carol doesn't win, and we lose Carol. Oh. That would make me not happy. Mm-hmm. But that would certainly be that punch in the gut that uh, they're looking to do. But I'll just cry and make some Carol cookies. I don't know what else I can do about it. <laughs> But, yeah, all the pieces are are being placed upon the board. The game is about ready to begin, and it's going to be horrendous when it happens. I I don't know know, whether way to put it. We'll just have to wait and see what happens, but it's not going to be good. So (laughs) we'll have another episode uh, this Sunday, and we'll talk about it next week. So... And with that said, we come to the end of episode 58 of the Geek Watch podcast. Thank you for listening and tune in next week for the latest in geek news and views with the Geek Watch podcast. For Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher reminding all the geek watchers out there, we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time. Thank you for listening to the Geek Watch podcast. If you enjoyed this program, don't forget to like and subscribe on your preferred platform and share this podcast on your social media. For links to all the ways you can listen to the GeekWatch podcast, as well as leave comments and suggestions, visit our website at geekwatch.net. The GeekWatch podcast is a Hanging J production.